This is CliffCentral.com. Good morning and welcome to Disrupt with Mpumi Tlapo. Thank you once again for joining us on the show. Um, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. I've got not one but three guests um, that have joined us in the studio and we'll be talking about uh, the advertising, public relations and media industry. So really the mouthpiece industries uh, for many brands and many organizations and talking about how their business is changing and evolving in a digitally evolving world and really how social media, how public commentary, how social changes have impacted on three businesses that join us today. Um, I've got with me Bongani Gosa, who's the CEO or Managing Director of BWD Advertising. Good morning, Bongani, and welcome. Oh, thank you. Thanks, thanks for having me, Bumi. Thank you for joining us. I've got Leander Nene from Headliners Media Group. He's the MD of that company, Headliners, focusing on media, outdoor, indoor, TV. So really operating in the media space. How are you, Leander? Not too bad on you, my brother. I'm very good. Awesome. And I've got Kile Bukhile, who is a producer on the show, but also runs her own public relations company, KLM Publicity. Kels, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Bumi? Great. Great to have you in front of the <laughs> microphone today. <laughs> Oh, great to be here. Um, maybe let me start with you. Um, you know, just really publicity has evolved over time. Um, if I look back at, you know, when I first entered, you know, the working space, a lot of it was about public, what is it, press releases. Yeah. It was about very structured content, but it's evolved mm-hmm. now. We've got um, uh, influencers, we've got social media, and a lot of things are happening. And um, what have you observed over the last three to four years in your space? So before it was more traditional in terms of utilizing the traditional media space only, um, and now it has evolved to digital. So by the time you want to tell, for instance, your client's news, it's already on social media and somebody's already like narrating the story before you. So for me, how it has changed is you have to always be on your toes. Sometimes it's 12 a.m. and you're like probably sleeping and next thing your phone is buzzing and you look on social media, your client is trending for wrong reasons. Yeah. And before then you have a crisis comms that you have to manage. So it, 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 it's, it has changed in that manner for me. Um, where else before it was very traditional, very chilled. We like, we are the people that lead the story, but now the people lead the story for, for, for brands. So you don't own the narrative anymore, I guess. Yes. And, and in effect, what, what we might be able to say is that everybody's paparazzi now. So everybody's a broadcaster, everybody's a journalist, Correct. everybody shares their story. Everybody's a journalist, everybody's a blogger, ah. which is the new thing where everybody who's a blogger feels like they literally have the right facts to the story and they just publish. And that one publish button can change like a brand's life or well, the way they are perceived in the market. Um, and it stays there forever because it's digital. It's not like a print publication where else it's going to stay there for like a few weeks or even a few days and people forget about it. When it's digital, every time somebody like searches your company or your brand or your name, it will pop up. So yeah. that's, that's the risk around it as well. So you've got far more moving pieces and parts to deal with within exactly. that business now. Exactly. Leander, let me come to you. Um, mm. I think you also have a similar situation. Um, you know, if you look at traditional media business, you were dealing with um, mass broadcasters. Yeah. So it's controlled, in effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you had outdoor, which was controlled. Yeah. And so I think media has evolved as well. Um, you know, with Facebook and social and all of that, everybody's a broadcaster. Yeah, everybody's transformed, basically, uh, to the digital space because that's probably the most pivotal thing that's come out in the 
21st century. Yeah. Um, it's changed most of the media <coughs> industry purely because historically it was very easy to just, um, for example, if you're in the media space and you're planning media, it would be a very simple plan, like a TV, radio, you know, outdoor. However, now, because of the Facebooks, the Instagrams, you know, all the bloggers and et cetera, et cetera, it's completely revolutionized the way people communicate and how people consume media and how the media owners or the media buyers are now um, buying media. And and with that change, does it has it required a change in the skill set that you have in your organization or has it really been about, you know, trying to do the same for as long as possible? No, I think it's just about um, integrating it into your company because, I mean, it's not something that um, traditionally we had. And now that we do have it, we just have to evolve in that and just get someone that has the skill set in terms of the digital um, migration, in terms of the, the digital strategies, et cetera, et cetera. Only now we are having to get those people involved into our companies and okay. let them, you know, give us that direction in terms of where we're going in the digital uh, era. And and then if I talk about social media being obviously a big driver, uh, a big earner of revenues for many companies from yep. a media point of view, um, how has that impacted the, tradi- the tradi- traditional media businesses? Is there an overall increase in media spend or has there been a move to more the social media and the digital media platforms? What have you seen? No, I think there's there's, there's been a sense of, um, you know, people need to balance things out now. Okay. Um, it's no longer just about your normal traditional stuff, which is your out, you know, outdoor TV, radio, et cetera, and newspapers. Um, but now it's just a matter of merging the the... I'd say the the advertising elements. So the social media element has to be included in your overall strategy now because if you if you're not in there you your brand is pretty much lost. Okay. In the in the in the thick of things. Yeah. So yes, it it has you know um increased the 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 elements of media which is social media. Okay. Um but to an extent you cannot go Without any of the of the social media elements within your company, because your company will just be lost in the clutter. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, Bongani, um, you, you I mean BWD is an advertising company, so you uh, focus predominantly on creating the content, yes, right? Sir. So, uh, whereas in the media space, they'd be placing your content. Um, you've had to adapt um, the way that you conduct your business as well, the type of content that that you create. Uh, what 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 has evolved in your space? I suppose uh, content creation is still, well, has always been important and still is important. So I wouldn't say it's an evolution per se. I would say it's more of a acceleration of um, content creation, if you want to put it like that. Okay. Um, let me make an example. It's not a client, but this is just uh, something that I've been observing. Let's take uh, uh, Range Rover just came out with this new car they call it the Range Rover Vela um what they've done is that um, I think Vela came out if not last month two months ago but what they've done is that they've created tons and tons and tons of content around the car so they've created content around the safety features around the style around this and that and that and that um so that if you're looking for information relating to this car you're able to find it in fact they even took it a step further what they've 
what they've done is that um, so they would push out ads on uh, Facebook. Okay. And then after putting out ads on Facebook, it takes you to their websites. And then after you go to the website, you get a cookie uh, that goes onto your website. That's, that's called retargeting. Okay. So every time you go onto um, YouTube, you're always seeing Vela ads. Okay. So I suppose w- what I'm trying to say is that they've created tons of content to convince you that this car is the right car for you. Okay. In fact, now as we speak, if you go to um, YouTube and you, you search for Range Rover Vela, you'll see more than, it's about 102,000 videos there. So, but the car only came out, I think in SA last month, if not two months ago. Okay. So to, content creation is super, super important. And how has that had to change? Because I'm going to assume the type of content, and I know for myself what yeah. I would be comfortable to consume on television, uh, vis-a-vis on a billboard, and on social media is quite different And I reacted quite differently So how has that uh, Which is why I meant an evolution How has that changed in terms of the way that you need to create content Now to uh, apply to all these mediums It would it, it, I suppose it would depend So if they're creating like a short ad for, for YouTube then that one will be Slightly shorter Like more of a snackable content type of uh, Piece of content And then but So how the, how the, the, the whole thing is done is that they start you firstly with a piece of snackable content. Okay. Then just to catch your attention. Okay. After they catch your attention, then uh, then you can uh, do like a deeper dive where they take you into the different features that this thing has 22-inch rims, has this um, uh, fancy doors and X, Y, Z. So it's it's pretty much, um, how do I explain it? It's, it's more like they take you through the sales funnel. From the discovery, they know that's that's the difficult part. But to push you down the funnel, that it's, it's not a problem. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Kels, let me let me come back to you then on uh, on this conversation. Um, in terms of uh, brands, and let's talk a little bit about personal brands. Um, we've seen really an upsurge in the number of people wanting to have personal brands, um, and it it seems to be linked, I guess, to social media in quite a significant way. Um, even to the extent that even a large automotive brand or whatever would want to associate themselves. With certain personal brands What's what's driving that? I like that um, he mentioned the Vela Because I started seeing a lot of people That you know, they claim to be influencers mm. Driving the car So when they launched After creating all that content They went and picked a certain few individuals That have numbers on either Facebook Or um, Instagram and Twitter And gave them the car for a few days Like a weekend And you see all these people That most people look up to Drive these cars And obviously you're going to want to go and purchase that card or easily. find out more about or it or find out easy uh, more about it and that's where it takes you back to their website their their pages so um people creating their own personal brand is a new norm to say because there's money in that market because it some brands take it as if you are well the uh, the, the the message is delivered authentically okay. um rather than punted uh, through youth, uh, through media platforms, okay. so most brands are deviating and driving their, their their strategies towards that market where they identify certain influential individuals, not really famous, but influential in terms of numbers okay. on their social media platforms. Can you just elaborate a bit? Because you said not really famous but influential. What what makes them influential? 
maybe the the topics that they talk about on their platforms. So if you are somebody that loves cars and that you know uh, researches on cars and people follow you for your content, so it's, it also goes back to content. If you're a fashion person, some a lot of people want to know what's in, what's out, you know. Um, so they will follow you for that. So it, it depends on what you really talk about on your platform that drives numbers, that drives people to uh, gravitate to following you or being interested in what you say mm. and. They listen to what you say in a way. It's like the new celebrity, but you're not really on TV or radio or, or traditional know, your traditional yeah. media. Yes, but but then I guess that then affects your business, Leander, because if if broadcasting is moving to more social media platforms, mm-hmm. um, and if traditional celebrities and if, if we understand them are, are not necessarily the only influencers, yeah, um, it creates a challenge in terms of when you do your media planning around. You know, what, how do you then package offerings for your customers? Does it not? No, I, I think it actually complements each other. Okay. Um, because not only do you have your your above the line stuff, which is more mass media, um, but if you if you merge the the, the 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 above the line mass media stuff with your influencers and the social space, then it creates a more holistic kind of approach. Okay. As opposed to looking at it from a linear perspective. So for me, I think that it's actually enhanced. The way in which you can engage with 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 brands and how you can access them from, you know, uh, above the line right down to below the line and online. Okay. So usually, how we would plan our strategy is is more in a three sixty approach where you're going online, below the line, and up, um, above the line. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then then the question I'd ask is if I um, and whether or not these are correct figures, but if I were mm. to look at um, social media, you know, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, whatever, you can kind of get a good sense of who's seen your content, yes. you know, yeah. because it's it's quite measurable, you yes. know. And we'll talk a little bit about you know fake accounts, ghost accounts, etc. Mm-hmm. But let's for now assume that it's it's more measurable, yes. And you can get a good sense of who's seen it, what their profile is, their demographic information, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, in terms of the traditional mass media, it's very difficult to quantify the yes. audience. Yes, it's still it, it has been a challenge for for many years, and I think um, previously, you know, um, when you look at the the media planning um, tools and the media planners themselves. Um, traditionally, they, it was very easy for them to plan because they were only planning to a certain market. Yeah. However, now that the landscape has changed, and now you know there's a, there's a much broader market that people are now trying to um, reach. It makes it a very big challenge for the media planners because they have no idea how to plan on other mediums that reach a certain type of demographic. Okay. Because, and I'll put it bluntly. Um, Traditionally, the, the, the media landscape is very white-owned. So when you look at the media planners who are planning those, uh, who are planning for the, for the brands, there might be brands that are targeted at the black market, for example. Okay. That poses a challenge on its own because the planners themselves don't understand the, the environment in which the market resides in. Okay. So now they'll only go for things that, that they are known to be reaching a certain audience however missing the whole point that there's another complete portal that they can that they they can reach that particular audience as opposed to okay if i know i'm I'm a bmw and i want to advertise to 
you know, uh, LSM 8 to 10, Suburbia kind of guy, you know you're going to go on, for example, Mnet, and you're going to go on, you know, BBC, etc., etc. Okay. However, if you're trying to reach another demographic, um, the might media owner might, I mean, the white planner might not know that there's actually a Mzansi magic. Mm. You know, we have no idea about what the content is on Mzansi magic. They have no idea what's happening on black Twitter, for example. Mm. Um, they have no idea what's happening on the Instagram and what's popular there and what's the popular culture. So when planning those, when planning around that, it becomes very challenging for the media planners. Mm. And hence it's, 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 it's always good to have, you know, that other, that other eye where you are getting a, a Kels, for example, who will give you those insights and tell you that, no, guys, actually, this is where the market resides. These are the platforms that they're consuming, and this is how you should be integrating your, your media mix into this particular sector or digital platform. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, and that's where I want to kind of talk a little bit more then about content because um, as much as Leander's framed it around kind of racial um, um, diversity in terms of the people that own the media, but there's also an intergenerational aspect, you know. So what we're accustomed to consuming in terms of content, if I look at my nieces and nephews and how they consume content, it's very different, you know. And if, and if you're going to be producing content, whether it's advertising or whatever the case might be, you're going to kind of have to have a different mindset in, in approaching that. No, I totally agree with you. Um, that's why, if you remember, then Kel spoke about... Um, Influences. I think, yeah. I think it was you that started the conversation around influences. Um, influencers create content as well. So just that uh, maybe the quality of the videos is not as good, or maybe the quality of the images is not it's not that good. But what they're doing is that they are creating content in their own right. So because if you if someone is going through, let's say the the, the Twitter or maybe the Instagram. And then uh, they're checking an influencer profile. They don't necessarily see it as, as an advert. Okay. So they, they, it, it's, it's more believable. So that's why like big brands, they would go for that type of content created by influencers. And then they would go to different, um, uh, production houses, ask them to create content for them. Besides the, the production houses, what they would then do, they would go to, um, not sure what you'd call car reviewers, but I suppose they're influencers in their own right. Yes. So uh, your, I don't know what these car sites are called. Um, yes. So, but they would go to those guys and say, "Hey, here's this car. Can you please review it?" They know that those guys have uh, good cameras and uh, nice production facilities. So it's it's just creating. So not it's it's creating content that does not look like adverts for everything. And where's the space then for an advertising, a traditional um, uh, advertising agency within that? Where's the space then to still, I guess, do business? So uh, it, uh, an advertising agency will be in charge pretty much of everything. So they'll be in charge of uh, finding the different influencers, making sure that they're creating the right type of content, um, collaborating with guys like uh, Luyanda in terms of uh, the, the media planning, and then... Uh, Creating content that's more like a advert type of content. Um, and then also creating, uh, educational content. Cause if you look at, if, uh, the Vela example, the bulk of the 102,000 videos that are sitting on YouTube, they're not necessarily sales type of videos, but they are more educational content to say, this car can do X, can do Y, can do Z. 
And okay. then it just helps you kind of fall in love with the car, I with see. the content that you consume. And I guess, you know, you trust it more if you hear it from a, an influencer. So if you hear it from another ordinary person who says mm. this new mobile device or phone is really cool or is really good, you should check it out as opposed to if it's like a salesperson from uh, one of the it, big it mobile. Like an ad. Then it yeah. looks and feels like an ad. Yeah. But why... Why do we feel the need for that? Why do we feel that, um, you know, why has that evolved? Why has that change come about? Uh, because people are looking for a personal touch. People are looking for an authentic touch. People are looking for um, something that can relate to you. Um, gone are the days when you just see something on TV and you believe it. Okay. You know, um, hence you mentioned fake news and mentioned, you know, um, I, I don't fake know. Accounts fake accounts yeah. and ghost accounts and all of that. Um, so people want something that they can relate to, some something that they can be like attest to. That person has, well, drives this car. I also want to drive that car, especially for somebody that they look up to. And I'm gonna go back to um, what you were asking Zbu now and um, Luanda um, is that. At the end of the day, the whole aim for a brand is to create positive perce- perception around anything that, that they're working towards. So you still have the content that are traditional media and you still have the influencers. So you really want to give it the 360 approach rather than just 180 mm. traditional approach. So you still need to factor to all the elements. When some, when I'm driving down the highway, I, I still want to see that billboard that says T-Systems, you know, are not sourced and all of that. And I, when I go on my social media, I still want to see you. You know, okay. I still want to see you active okay. in a way. And it, it, it punts that perception and it creates that credibility in my head that actually this brand is doing the right things. Yeah. You know, and when I see more people talking about it authentically, it means that the message is, you know, sent across. That person believes in that brand. I can always also like tap into that brand and see what they're doing. If it's something that I like or something that I want to be a part of. So then I want to then talk a little bit then because the, the, what I've seen with the influence is a big thing is about your image yeah. that you portray um, on these various platforms. And that's given rise to like, um, I call them social media photographers. You know, it's like a whole, and, and, and certainly they do good work. But isn't it interesting how a shift in dynamic from the media space creates new opportunities in another space? You know, photographers are now celebrities mm-hmm. in yeah. effect. Which, um, I mean, we've always had celebrity photographers, but not on this scale and volume. And Especially in South Africa. Is it particular to South Africa? Mm-hmm. Um, wh- wh- why would that be the case? Uh, I guess people want good pictures. Okay. You know, <laughs> with photographers, you want um, uh, BW to believe you and be like, oh, we want to work with this guy. We don't have to do much anymore. <laughs> we'll just collaborate and give them content and give them the messaging. And then they just run with it. We don't have to give them equipment. We don't have to invest much into it. Um, the other thing where social media is creating, um, you know, work is essentially for people is uh funny enough i was talking to one of the bloggers a few days ago and she was telling me so i'm like oh your pictures have improved you know are you still taking them with your phone yeah. she's like yeah it's still my phone but the trick is there is now an instagram um you know tutorial workshop so i'm like what she's like yeah, yeah you go to this workshop and they teach you how to take pictures if you're a foodie if you're fashion if you are automate or whatever they teach you how to literally take pictures and how to angle your shots how to message um or you know caption your pictures and all of that so it is it's you know it's social media is doing things that we are beyond us that's why if you don't tap into it right now you are the bus is going to leave you behind that's yeah. it you're going to miss the bus uh, Leander, you're not in your head. 
Yeah, no, it's just uh, it's just interesting to to watch um, because if you look at you know pre ninety four for example, yeah, um, and you look at how how the content has been generated previously when there was actually n- not much content, and now you've got an influx of of visual arts kind of stuff uh, and visual content. I mean, you look at uh, the, the amount of people that consume social media. And if you look at the, the literacy in this country, you know, for example, people are no longer looking to, to read a whole story, a whole paragraph. You need to give it to me in punchy, you know, 10 words, whatever it is, make your point, make it clear, let me move on to the next thing. Hmm. You know, yeah. so it's, 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 it's completely, you know, driven a new sense of, you know, psychology, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, and, and this is an open question, but, that then brings me into, into the topic of, of fake news. You know, um, yesterday uh, I, I was sent some stuff on WhatsApp in, on a WhatsApp group, and the first question I asked it was a series of images um, around um, um, some protest marches, yeah. and the first question I asked was, "How sure are we that these pictures are from today?" Do you get what I mean? And and that speaks a little bit to editorial because while I can see clearly the benefits of social media and citizen journalism and, and giving everybody a voice, there's also the risk that we lose sight of the true narrative, if you know what I'm saying. So if someone posts a picture of something that happened in 1994 and I consume it as something that's happening today, it can paint a very different story about the reality. Um, so where where does this you know advent of what's real and what's not and what's fake and what's not come into play um, for brands and companies that are trying to you know engage social media and also because you want to do that to build trust mm-hmm. right but building trust in an environment where there's a lot of things that may not necessarily be true becomes a challenge how does that play in the Kels on your side um, you know what the thing is. Individuals, like I said, are now narrators of the story. Remember that billboard, that guy? I think it was Celsi, and they didn't pay out his insurance. I can't oh, remember yes, what it was, and he yes, created a billboard. Yes. And, you know, that created this whole, you know, disruption and, you know, caused Celsi to jump and move. And there was another My Way uh, incident of the email, which was fake. Yes. So it's, it's, it's just personal, you know, Ways of people pushing their own messaging, you know. Um, I saw the March pictures, you know, and I was, I, I asked myself the same question. I'm like, which ones are true and which ones are not? We are all not there. Um, next thing it's on the highway. Next thing it's like, you know, there's like field, gravel. So which picture is the real picture here? Yes. Uh, for today. Um, and also it just, it, it took away the messaging of, of what was meant to be um, yesterday, the, yes. the real reasoning around the match, you know, and it, it goes beyond with every brand. When 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 you are trying to you know deliver a certain message and somebody doesn't believe in it and or doesn't want you to deliver that message, they will try many ways of disrupting that message and changing the the narration of it. Mm. And most of the time through social media, they win. Yeah, yeah. Bongani, yeah, I think. Uh, <coughs> Fake news is definitely not going anywhere anytime soon. So how I see it is just a negative PR that obviously maybe your competitor or maybe someone that doesn't like your brand will always be pushing. But it's up to you as a brand to then counter that uh, negative um, news or negative content with your own content that tells your own story. 
cause um, like Kels um, so, like was saying, uh, people are able to so so now people have become celebrities uh, unintentionally. If we were to use a simple example, we've got uh, our minister of police. Uh, He's yes. arguably a celebrity yeah. on Twitter. We've got uh, Julius Malema. He's arguably a celebrity. Um, in fact, Julius Malema just made our lives interesting a couple of weeks ago when we retweeted something negative about one of our clients. Okay. So we needed to do something about that. It was not necessarily fake news, but it was negative PR okay. that, that needed to be countered. So brands, what they need to do is that they just need to kind of uh, react quickly with content that counters the negative PR or or the fake news that's going to consistently be coming up. Like I'm saying, uh, negative PR is not going anywhere. Fake news is not going anywhere. Mm. I'm, I'm going to tap into um, that. Our, our it's been a challenge that I've observed is that even as um, um, consumers and people, they are quick to consume negative. News yeah. and give them the positive news. Give them the real truth. They no longer they no longer interested. So that's also the the other challenge. That as much as you can put it out there, it's good to still you know retract and put out the real truth or the real facts about the matter. But always know that people cons- they love consuming negative yeah. news yeah. and you know anything negative they will take it and make it trend. But when it comes to the positive. Um, Positivity around that same topic They're just like oh, okay cool And then they leave it there And it's not going to tr- The real truth is not going to trend anymore Yeah Because it's not interesting It's not It's not exciting It's not exciting but, but that's what I'm asking Because media advertising PR Is about helping brands Position themselves Right Whether it's to sell a product Or to sell a lifestyle Whatever the case may be So if me Seeing something I'm already questioning How true this is You know Which way are these pictures from Are they true or not it's also going to then impact how I perceive brands on those platforms. And I guess that's the mm. question I'm asking is, um, how do brands engage in an environment where there starts to become a lot of distrust? You know, so it's starting now. You had those questions. I had them. There's probably millions of other people that had similar questions. And brands are trying to weave themselves into those narratives, into those spaces. The risk is that then um, they might lose the trust um, in that space. Or, or is, it, is that not the case? I mean, what do you see coming out of that? Yeah, well, from my side, I think uh, we, I mean, brands need to consistently create content that tells their own story. Okay. Um, say for argument's sake, if I were to use the Vela example again, if someone came out and said the car does not, I mean, the car's not safe or, or maybe there's something faulty with the steering wheel, whatever. Okay. Uh, there's content already out there that would counter that. Negative uh, story that someone would be trying to tell. Fair, the negative story will probably gain traction quicker, but in time people will see that this thing is, is total fake, fake news. So okay. uh, brands need to consistently create content that tells their own story. Mm. Yeah. Let's, let's take the opposite of that. Let's, let's, someone say something which is supposed to be positive. So maybe they say that it can reach a top speed of 300 kilometers per hour. Right, yeah, and that becomes a trending story. It would be yeah. something that would entice me to be attracted to that brand, which then turns out not to be true. You get what I mean? So, yeah. so I guess there's also that other side of the coin where now I'm like, have you seen? And then it spreads like wildfire. So this is an amazing SUV; it can achieve these insane, crazy speeds, and then that starts to trend or gain a lot of attraction. So, how do you deal with that scenario? Because that's not as easy as countering something which is 
factually, or it's also factually not true, but it's also an interesting dynamic that you sit within that space. Yeah. As much as it's not a negative uh, story or negative PR, you still want to put out your story out there to say uh, our SUV can't reach 300, it can only go up to 200 or something like that. Because mm. otherwise, if you try to ride on that wave, then you're going to have a problem. Yeah. 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 So the truth, um, in in essence, is still a key. Must still be and a key you driver. Need, you need to be the leader of your 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 story. Um, yeah. I think the reason why they can have the backup of the content is the fact that they've already put out this co- this much content. They've already invested in you know even getting those influences to talk about the reality and the truth around the brand. Um, because essentially, when you have like twenty people. Or 10 people that you're giving the car to To test drive You tell them Listen This is the key messaging around the car This is what I want you to communicate About this car This is the review that I want from you You kind of like shape the the narrative But if it's an external person Or a consumer There's nothing you can do All you have to do is go back to The real content And the real facts about the car And that's the only way Unless if you are a Nando's And make a joke out of it (laughs) And also just to add on the Nando's stuff Um so every time something happens, Nando's comes up with a, a nice meme. But sometimes Nando says, this meme was not done by us. Yeah. As much as it, the meme would be brilliant and amazing, but they say, hey, this one is just too, we didn't do this thing. Okay, so yeah. they, they're they honest about what's happening within their space. And they, they own what part of the narrative belongs to them and they give credit, I guess, to the, yeah. the aspects that are not there. Yeah. Okay. And probably like the the consumer will want that verification from Nando's. Like, is this you guys? Is is, <laughs> is it really you guys? Yeah. <laughs> you and know. I, and I guess I mean the the fallout could be extreme if the real creator of that content were to come out and say they're stealing my ideas or something like that. I mean, yeah. Given that everybody now has got a very big voice and they can express themselves. Yeah. Lu- Luanda, let's talk then about how is technology impacting on your business? I mean, we've obviously seen talked about the changing nature of media. Um, but um, I do know that technology is playing a role in some of the traditional media spaces to, I guess, help them to become more in tune with how people want to consume content or how advertisers want to measure yeah. success of campaigns. What are you seeing in your space? Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of developments um, when it comes to the digital, you know, integration within the media space. I think. For example, if you look at the likes of your DSTVs or you look at your your outdoor companies that are always con- that are constantly looking to um, you know show a return on investment for their clients and yes. their budgets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And with digital, that's that's thrown in a t- completely different span because now clients are becoming more vigilant. Yes. they're becoming more conscious of what exactly is happening out in their market, and they're also starting to be more in tune with their with their consumers. Um, and what the com- consumers want. Okay. So if you look at, you know, uh, TV, for example, with the digital migration, um, people are now viewing, you know, uh, uh, television in totally different ways as opposed to, you know, a few years ago. Um, if you look at um, the way we consume outdoor, yes. um, it's very difficult for for outdoor companies, for example, to to measure how many people actually see their ads. Yes. Um, however, with new technologies... Um, there's products out there in the market uh, from a global perspective, but people are not are not in tune with it yet, okay. or they're not in the country yet. Okay, Pro- products that do what? Uh, that that basically measure and 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 give you more 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 tangible 
um, research as to what your what your what your consumer is is viewing, what they're seeing, what what you know, um, where exactly are they? In order for me to be able to say, okay, let me put me as an advertiser, put my money on your platform. Okay. And what do you see the future then for outdoor? Is it going to be more of those digital screens that we see? Um, Is the static space going to grow? What's happening? What are you seeing currently in that space? I think the the static space is is oversaturated. Okay. Um, And also, it's 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 become a there's been there's there's a lot of clutter at the moment, so it's very difficult for you to to be spotted amongst every other brand, every other. Uh, billboard that's out there. There's mm. street pole ads. There's massive gantries. There's you know six by twelve or whatever it is. Mm. So these different uh, uh, sizes of of messages um, coming that are coming at you all the time. That are coming at you all the time. So you are constantly being bombarded by all these things. Whereas if you look at the the, the digital space now, where people are now going more digital, um, that 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 content doesn't only have to live. In one in one place, so I can literally take my my my, my two minute commercial or thirty second commercial or whatever it is and leverage it onto other platforms on, for example, social media or on my TV campaign or wherever else. Whereas a static doesn't really give you that, you know, that that impact that it used to. Mm. I mean, it still has a, a place in in the market. However, I think with the with with the new planning tools, with the, the new measurement systems that are being put in place and you know, with clients wanting um, um, media owners to be accountable, you know, that is 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 giving the 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 industry more credibility. Okay. Um, and it's giving you know clients more bang for their buck. And uh, do you see there's a lot of do you see there being a lot of investment in technology to kind of drive Definitely. and evolve the industry? Absolutely. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Thanks. And then, Kels, the the question I guess on on your side is. Um, Given that we still have the mass media, you know, we're still going to do billboards, we still have TV, we still have broadcast radio, etc. Um, these influences that I guess emerged from the underground, if I can call it that, um, are they now moving to become mainstream celebrities? Is 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 that the direction they'll move, or are, or people still wanting them to remain almost like uh, people still want them to remain there? Because at the end of the day, they will ask you questions like, which is. A question that's been asked to you, like the likes of your Kim Kardashian all the time. What is your talent? Okay. Why are you famous? Okay. You know, why am I consuming you so much? Mm. Um, they have managed to maximize it to the max. Okay. <laughs> but in South Africa, it's still very new and people are still adapting to it and people still want to understand that they still want to take you as just the normal person they're following, that they just love their content, and that's just it. Um, yes, some of these people they've moved and shifted into. Now you've seen them on like, as presenters. You've seen them as you know uh, uh, doing commentary stuff or shows. Not really presenting the show, but they'll be asked to come in to do a commentary on that that specific topic that they usually talk about. Okay. You see them in some um, soapies and stuff. It's because also the, the 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 casting director wants that that piece of the numbers that okay. that person has. So they are moving into becoming celebrities, but it's very slowly, and you need to do it very smart, and you need to have everything in in like your whole package mm. um, put together before you can literally like jump and go into that as other side. I've seen bloggers and. Influences that have like PR managers that have you know social media managers, and you just ask yourself like, 
but aren't I, I just supposed to be doing that yourself yeah. <laughs> and they now say we are evolving you know I want to do more I want to get paid to be in a campaign I want to get paid to be in a billboard yeah. I don't want to do it for free anymore I don't want to you know post wa- this water for free on my platform I want you to actually pay me to do it so it's changing in that manner mm, and maybe maybe I'm asking the question because and I'm glad you answered it in that way because then it, it brings me um, to Bomani where he said earlier that you know as an advertising agency they would identify an influencer then they'll give them pictures and they'll give them content so you get to that bordering I don't want to call it fake news but you get to that space where you're not sure whether this is genuinely someone who's passionate about cars in that way or even that knowledgeable about them or if this is it's just advertising that's being masked or packaged in a certain way. Yeah, I was even the other day I was on Twitter and I was, you know, going through my feed and I see this person that I've myself tasked to be an influencer mm. and she's posting about passionately about this content and I'm like, mm, I can see this is like paid tweets. <laughs> <laughs> So if you know if you have the knowledge in that space, you will identify it and say, oh, "Okay, I don't want to consume this right now." Okay. Um, but some people still don't see the blurred lines; they just believe everything that they read. Mm. But again, it will boil down to you'll find that some influencers will not tap into because if I talk about food, I'll never post about fashion. You know, that's why they will always stay authentic to that line of topic. Okay. Um, if I post about fashion, you'll never see me doing things that are not fashion related. I'll do a billboard with, um, I'll do a jet campaign because I talk about fashion. Okay. If, you know, a, B, a BW comes to me and say, hey, we're doing this campaign. We're looking for, we're not looking for traditional models, but we're looking for influential models, which most brands have done. So they will come to you and you easily gravitate towards that opportunity and you take it and, you know, you maximize on it. Yeah. How, how do you skate on that line, uh, Bongani? Yeah, influencers are quite an interesting bunch because... Uh, remember what also makes them successful or popular? It's because they are authentic. We see them as people. Yes. So, uh, if they are doing give or take a review and they talking, say for him, say someone is reviewing a car and they know nothing about uh, kilowatts and um, this and that, they just talking about stuff that interests them. Uh, that imperfectness. Is what is um, what sells what they're trying to say. Yes. So because you can see that this guy, this person is not an expert in cars. They're just telling me what they like about this car. And I can relate to that. And I, can, I might not be an expert myself. Hundred percent. So yes. they 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 influencers. Uh, you 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 kind of almost see yourself in them. That's why they're so effective. Okay. Yeah. But then uh, then you'll come with an, a great advertising campaign and you'll want, you'll want to give them the perfect pictures that you took and you'll want to give them the perfect tweet to post. And then it kind of then takes away that credibility that I might have been attracted to in terms of engaging that, that influencer. Not, uh, okay. Not, not, you don't want to necessarily restrict them by just telling them exactly what to do. So you just also need them to, you, you need to give them space to move, to, to post their own content, to post in their own tone. Uh, you just need to tell them what not to do, not what to do. Cause if you start telling them what to do, then, uh, your influencer content and your normal 
content, which is paid content, it's just gonna look pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. And I've, and I guess I have seen that uh, more and more now, even big international celebrities will make it clear what's paid content yeah. and what's, I guess, their own um, natural organic posts. Do you see that being something that will become legislated into the future, just that people know what's real and what's advertising? You know. I think so. It's only fair as well yeah. for the consumer to know um, what is the real content from the end and what's paid. Mm. You know, um, and I have seen that where they'll hashtag ad and then they'll write the caption or whatever they're trying to advertise. Mm. Um, but in South Africa, I haven't seen it happen at all. So I think it should be it should be happening so that you know so that you don't get confused because the tone will be different as opposed to a you know, Boomi posting something authentically and then Cal's coming in and saying, no, 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 we need it to be messaged like this and you posting it. The, people will pick it up. Yeah. You will see a paid tweet from afar or a paid, paid post from afar. So you'd rather disclose that and say, disclaimer, it's an ad. You know, because people do, they do know that nowadays that influencers are paid for a lot of things. Yeah. If I see you on a billboard, I definitely know that you got a check. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you're endorsing this brand or you're talking about this brand. So it's only fair. And so then what do you see on the horizon for, for PR? Um, you, you know, the industry started really press releases, written content. You are now uh, um, unearthing influencers. You are mm-hmm. now trying to do influential type of marketing. What's on the horizon going forward? What do you see? PR will always be, you know, uh, a tool to create and shape perception. So in whichever tactical tool that we use, we our aim is to create, maintain, and shape perception. What people believe about the brand or how consumers consume the brand, um, essentially. Mm. So it's, it's ever, you know, evolving. It's new things every day. Right now we are... Focusing on social media and or digital and influences, who knows what's next? So, as long as you know that your your key objective for your campaign is to shape, build, or maintain uh, your client or the brand's perception, that's you know you are done. You just have to evolve around the the tools or the platforms that you utilize, or you spread that message across. Yeah, and media, where where is where is that industry going? What's on the horizon? Well, in South Africa, yeah. Oh. Well, as you see it, I mean, as I see it, and I'll speak, I'll speak for 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 the local market because I think that's where the biggest change is coming from. Okay, um, and I'll and I'll put it in this sense that in the media industry in South Africa specifically, yes, um, there, there hasn't been a lot of transformation. So I think there's going to be a huge drive towards more. Agencies like your KLMs, your BWDs, your headliners, because those are the those are the guys who are actually coming and disrupting the market. Okay. Because predominantly, it, it, it's always been a certain kind of um, uh, people in the in the in the, in the media landscape, mm-hmm. and they've the they're the ones who've been driving um, the media and what happens in the media and how 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 media should be consumed and you know the various markets that they that they that they um, cater for. Yes. But. For companies like ourselves that are that are black owned, black uh, run, okay, um, that's going to be a big disruption because the the kind of <clears throat> insights and the kind of uh, strategies that we'll be coming in with is is completely new. Yeah, um, especially when it comes to targeting a, a certain group of people, uh, which is the mass. Yes, in the country, and 
bulk of the of the of, of the brands and the bulk of the companies that are looking to you know expand and communicate their brands are looking to grow within the emerging black middle class black black um the black market. Okay. So for us as 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 media companies, that's going to be for me the biggest influence and the biggest disruptor mm. in that sector. Okay. Yeah. But it, and I guess maybe the challenge will also be um, not to assume that the existing media platforms are fully cater for for those emerging markets, right? So it's yeah. going to have to be about finding new platforms, new platforms. to engage. To engage. Yes. Um, from that perspective. Yeah. And Bongani around content, I think probably part of the message is related to what Leander just said um, around engaging this new emerging uh, market space. But there's possibly more to that. I think what <coughs> what Leander is saying is pretty much 100% true, uh, that uh, transformation is uh, pretty much something that's going to affect uh, the advertising industry quite a lot. Because, um, like he said... Uh, Okay, maybe let me just put it into perspective a little bit. Last year, the total ad spend uh, was forty-six billion, according to Nielsen Research. In South Africa, in South 46 Africa, forty-six billion rand. Forty-six billion rand. Okay. So, uh, black-owned, black-run agencies didn't even get one percent of that budget. So we might be doing this and that and this, but it's difficult to do amazing, good quality work if you. You're not getting those nice budgets because if you are getting good budgets, then you can go do big and great things. Absolutely. Because it's um, it's one thing for me to say the industry is changing this way, that way. It's going to change in whatever way. But if budget is not coming through towards black-owned, black-run agencies, uh, we're just going to be spectators and seeing what other people are doing. But we won't be doing that because we won't be having budget. And then in terms of content, how it affects content, it's pretty much affects the quality of content that we produce because uh, if you have a bigger budget, then you can get bigger cameras, better directors, better pretty much everything, better mm. quality content. Mm. And then that will also translate into um, the industry awards. The reason you don't have uh, black-owned, black-run agencies winning uh, awards or like this year there was about three, just more than 300 entries, um, the winners were about three at the, uh, the Lurie's. So that tells you that the winners were sitting just under 1%. Mm. If you look at that stat, it correlates with the ad spend. Like, uh, it, the ad spend was 46 billion. Uh, the total budget we're getting is less than 1%. The Lurie's winners was just over 300 uh, entries. The winners, black agencies was, it was, it was actually two. Because one was a self-promotional ad, so no one they finance that ad that one. So we just need to see kind of a change when it comes to spend. Mm. Yeah, and, and and maybe let's just talk about the topic a little bit. So, what is the uh, limiting factor? I mean, is, is it exposure? Is it trust and belief? Is it access to infrastructure? What what limits the transformation? It's lack of will from uh, uh, the the. People that buy our services, okay. so that's pretty much what's limiting the the transformation. Um, yeah, because if there was will, then we would have. Because we don't have like a big black owned, black run agency. We only have like medium sized. Mm. Um, in fact, uh, black agencies that uh, can be trusted with big accounts, it's less than ten. Mm. Even though 
black people are like 80% of the population. So that tells you that we have a bit of a problem. Mm. But at least the government has just now stepped in with the MEC Charter to kind of help with addressing the transformation problem. Although the MEC Charter does not necessarily talk to your black-owned, black-run agencies. It mainly talks to the white agencies to transform. But I believe that at least it will help in transforming the industry so that we no longer spectators or of things happening, we are also participants. And then when we're participating, we are meaningful participant. We're not participating at 1%. Because if someone is participating at 1%, the others participating at 90%, yet you're expecting them to produce the same outcome, it's just not going to happen. Mm. Yeah. And and I, would, and I would venture to say um, by making it more inclusive, it's actually going to grow the space overall. Because I can bet you there's uncharted waters. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So. Yeah. To the extent that you're saying, um, you know, for example, from an awards perspective, if you give someone more opportunities to participate by giving them budgets and, and work, um, the new media platforms they'll find, the new okay. influencers they'll find, the new content uh, ability, to, the new ways of creating content that they'll find should probably grow that space overall, actually, as opposed to just eating into what's currently existing. 100% correct. In fact, just this past weekend, I was at a, um, this is just my first time going there because my colleague is friends with the guys that were organizing it. They call it the Sunday cook-off at Elka Stadium in, uh, in Soweto. Yes. I'm I was sure. surprised that these guys only started getting sponsors just recently because that event is huge. Mm. So that event should have sponsors fighting to, uh, sponsor the event. Yeah. But it doesn't. The reason is simply because, uh, guys like us, are not given the opportunity to work on your likes of um, Smenov, your likes of um, SAB, your likes of uh, uh, Venthook and, and those brands. Because otherwise we would take them there. So, because at the that's moment... That's a new untapped platform. Platform. 100%. The yeah. guys that, that... So the agencies that run those brands, they don't go to the... So, so the people, because remember for you to, to, to get sold to something, you, you, you'd need to experience it first. Yes. So, but if the account is run by like um, a white chap that doesn't go to the township, they will not, they'll find it difficult to appreciate the Sunday cook off. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So there's yeah. quite, uh, that's just one example. Yeah. So if I, maybe I was going to township like regularly, I've mentioned like tons and tons of them, but Absolutely. there's tons of opportunities. Cause in fact, if you go to that Sunday cook off, uh, you would, the most of the people that I met there, they don't live in the township. They live in the in the suburb. So that tells you that just because these people are in the township, it does not mean that they are LSM five below. Mm. This is like LSM six mm. to, to to the top. Akel, do you wanted to say something there as well? You know, I'm glad that he mentioned this. Um, as my two cents will be, we would avoid um, incidents like Dove. You yeah, know, yeah, you will yeah. have somebody sitting there and say. People are going to be offended with this. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, so many, many, we've had many, we've had Pepsi, we've had so many, um, brands that, you know, they want to tap into that market, but they don't know how to. Mm. They have the wrong people sitting and doing the strategy and delivering the st- strategy. There's nobody stopping, you know, all these things from happening. And it's not even a matter of like racisms or whatever. It's just they don't know. They're, They're not they're, exposed. They, right. you know, you can't attest to say, the, that person will be offended if they see that. Mm. You know, and, and I guess it's actually it's not unique um, to South Africa because if you look at um, when I was chatting to Dion Chang on the show some time back, and he spoke about how at some point there was the the, the pink dollar, you know, mm-hmm. so the you know within the the homosexual community and how 
once they started tapping into those communities, you know, brands, you know, the brands that really embraced those communities early on grew significantly, you know. Mm. Um, I mean, there was even, you know, statistics about property prices in certain parts of the world where people wanted to live in homosexual communities because, you know, property values were considered yeah. to be high. I guess maybe they look after their homes better, whatever the mm. case may be. And then he also mentioned that going forward, what we should be looking at is the Muslim dollar because, if you think about products and branding and advertising, True. it's not really been targeted at the Muslim community. And you saw recently Nike came out with uh, um, with, with you know apparel, sports mm. apparel for for Muslim females. And so I think definitely there's a specific dynamic in South Africa around racial lines. But I think the the message is the more brands, I think maybe the message would be the evolution of brands is to become far more inclusive and not just by looking. But by actually having people who come from those spaces to drive the narrative as well, yes, you know, so it's not going to help to say you know you become um, the agency that's going to go and decide how the Middle East strategy for Mm -hmm. brand is going to unfold because you've never lived there, you don't understand the context. Exactly, and I think it's the same thing you're saying that even within South African context, for someone who doesn't come from your community, doesn't come from that environment, it's going to be very difficult for them to innovate in that space in any material way. Yeah. So, I mean, we're getting close to the end of the show and and on the note now, just around, I guess, inclusivity and um, broadening opportunities in the space, your vision for the advertising business, um, Bongani, and also, I guess, you know, we've been talking a little bit about disruption and how would you define then disruption in your space going forward? I suppose disruption uh, in uh, the way I see it is just pretty much getting the client bang for their buck, uh, making sure that um, they get maximum reach for pretty much a fraction of the price. So that means creating clear and effective messages that kind of hit the bullseye. You can't do that if you don't understand the target market that you're trying to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. And your vision for South Africa and for the continent broadly, not necessarily around media and advertising, but your own vision for the country. I suppose my own vision, would it would be growth. I'm I'm very hopeful that um, in the next year things are going to change. The economy is going to improve, and then overall, uh, there's going to be growth throughout. So that's 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 pretty much my vision. Just growth, because the, the nice thing with growth is that it affects pretty much everyone. So if someone gets a say for instance, like a big construction company gets a tender, they hire the community, they hire uh, an agency, they hire a PR person, they hire a food person. They mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that uh, the economy is going to grow and then in, in fact just affect pretty much everything because also the economy affects the confidence of the of the people. Yes. Yeah, and then if people are confident in the future, then they start spending. Yeah. Luanda? Your response to those two questions? Your vision for the country and the continent? And how do you frame disruption? Um, okay, I'll start with disruption. I think disruption for me in in the media space is black. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. You go black, you're going to get bang for your buck. Um, and when it comes to the African continent, I think there's, like, right, I, I really agree with um, Bongani is that. Growth is the is the biggest thing, um, and also from a from a from a from a company perspective, and you know, um, for me, it's about collaboration. Um, if we are able to collaborate more, as as as, as individuals, as as companies, um, it will be it will give us that 
extra step ahead in order for us to achieve each other's goals and, and, and milestones that we want to see going forward. So looking at a Kels, looking at a Mongani, collaborating, um, whether it be with an African uh, agency, whether it be with an African musician, African influencer, those collaborations are going to be the key for us to you know, um, expand and grow our continent. Okay. Yeah. And Kels, um, on your side? I'll be quick because we don't have time anymore. Um, what I look forward to uh, in terms of South Africa, it's more economical transformation, like they've just said, and unity, you okay. know, because we lack unity. As much as we call ourselves a rainbow nation, we are not. So more of unity and economical transformation in terms of disruption um, in my industry People are already disrupting things, so I want to take them back and retract and do things for the right purpose. Don't just send out a press release or send out a media statement because, or you have the platform or there's a client paying um, the cash. Go back to the client. Go back to consulting. Go back to you know understanding why the client wants to deliver a message and do it properly. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Kilemkhilo uh, Mabunda from KLM Publicity, um, Rianda Nene from Headliners Media Group, and Bongani Gosa. Uh, from BWT Advertising for joining us today and to our sponsors T-Systems once again it's always wonderful to have this platform available and to everybody who's joined us today have a wonderful day and thank you for being on Disrupt with Mbumi see you again thank you, thank you. this is cliffcentral.com